Listening to our station is just like wearing your favorite pair of jeans. You never grow tired of wearing it. Enter Merlin. But beware, do not interrupt his magic. To this special joint broadcast between Cauldron FM and Capstone Radio, and it features an interview with a, a lady that I met for the first time back in December, a lady called Ange Hardy. And what happened was that we were at a Christmas uh, or Yule celebration called Dunster by Candlelight, and we were up in the grounds of Dunster Castle, which is on the Somerset coast and met some friends of ours and they said have you heard this girl sing because she is brilliant i sat and listened or stood and listened to a couple of songs that she did and was absolutely blown away long story short spoke to her and her partner managed to get a couple of cds and then subsequent to that emailed her made arrangements to do an interview and this is what is will be broadcast later on this evening. But first off, let's start with a piece of music by another band that I'm going to do another feature with later on and that band is called Scott Lynn and the Broken Bottles. Have a listen to this, see what you think. I really quite like them.
Sanderlin and a track called Six Feet Under the Bar. And as I said, I will be doing a full in-depth feature on him later in the year. So for now, we're going to interview Ange Hardy. I hope you enjoy it. Ange is a folk singer. She lives in Somerset and at the moment has two albums to her credit and her third one underway. So without further ado, let's go over to the interview with Ange Hardy. First of all, I'd just like to welcome you to this interview. And for the benefit of the listeners, I'm talking to Ange Hardy. And Ange is a singer-songwriter who lives in Somerset. Now, I won't go any further than that at the moment because I want you to tell me all about that. Mm-hmm. So, hi Ange, thanks for joining us here on Cauldron FM and Capstone Radio this evening. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. So, let's start off with a very simple question. Who is Ange Hardy? Oh my, <laughs> that could have quite a long answer for a simple question. <laughs> I guess I'm mostly, I'm a mum of two. I have a 10-year-old and a two-year-old, so I'm a mum. I'm a, a wife. And then after that, I guess <laughs> I would say I'm a folk singer and songwriter. Probably songwriter is is the thing that I started with. And then that kind of grew into who I am now as a performing artist. Great. I noticed from the, the short bio that you sent me, it says that you're from Somerset, but at the age of 14, you were in Ireland. Now, were you born in Somerset and went to Ireland, or are you Irish who came to Somerset? I'm from Somerset, um, so I've come back to where I started. But when I was 14, kind of one thing led to another. I ended up in a children's home and I ran away. And I hitchhiked over to Ireland and spent uh, a good few months living on the streets in Dublin and then in Galway. I was given a guitar by a young chap who I think might have been quite light fingered <laughs> um, <laughs> and he uh he suggested that I try busking instead of instead of begging and so that's kind of where it all started really. Am I correct in thinking that um, you lived in a shop or something like that? I spent the first couple of months living in a shop doorway. The reason I always found it quite significant, and I don't know if I knew the irony at the time, but now, looking back on it, the shop was called Envy. (laughs) And (laughs) I just quite like the fact that, you know, for some reason, as a 14-year-old girl, I chose the doorway of a shop called Envy. Then, sort of moving on a little bit further, obviously, at some time, you had Amy... Yeah. And I think you, you said in the in the bio that you were about 19 when you had it. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah. So when I returned from Ireland, um, although I kind of had a lot of experience, I was, I was very unsettled. And so I spent a few years kind of being very unsettled. And then when Amy came along, um, that was pretty much the turning point for me. So, yeah, I was a very young mum. She was the steadying influence, was she? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, when with... A troubled history like my own you tend to decide to either do as you've you know follow as you've been shown or buck against it and change history and so that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my children and I think I've succeeded <laughs> so you come back to England at the tender age of 19 with with a child and you set up a house on your own is that correct yeah, well, I came back after a few months. I only survived on the streets for a few months and then wow. ended up coming back <clears throat> and then went to um, Exeter College for a short while to do my GCSEs, but didn't really stick it out. And so kind of jumped from home to home, really, until I kind of I was still 14 when I actually left the college and didn't finish my GCSEs and didn't return to school. And then pretty much just spent the next few years 
being um, a free but confused spirit, so to speak. I do get that feeling. I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from on that. and I, I won't go into my history, but I do know where, where you are. So then you, you sort of move forwards and in sort of your early 20s, you, you start to pick up a guitar in, in anger and in earnest. Yeah, um, yeah. And start doing open mics and that sort of thing. Yeah. Was that sort of, shall we say, where you really got the bit between your teeth and decided this is the performing life is the life that I want? Or was was that the changing point of moving into being a songwriter performer? Or how did it all come about? Well, when I started writing in Ireland, I had to write because I didn't know any songs. I was only 14 and didn't listen to music, so I had to write in order to have material to play. So that's where the writing started, but obviously I had a big gap then before I picked up the guitar again. And then when I did pick up the guitar, I had all this, like you say, angst that I needed to work through. And so I, I worked through it by writing songs. And a friend of mine overheard me singing and dragged me to an open mic. I sat on the stage and shook. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she actually sang my song for me. And then the next time we sang together and slowly she eased me into it. But once I'd realized that I could do it, it was all I wanted to do. And I believe the kitchen table fits very nicely into this. The what, sorry? The kitchen table. Yes. <laughs> it's where it I'm sat right now. Prominently. It does. It does, yeah. I mean, I spend a ridiculous amount of time. I couldn't even go as far as to tell you sat at my kitchen table. <laughs> it's the heart of my home. It's where things happen. Um, and I like to try to bring that to what I do in general is is to bring you to my kitchen table rather than take myself to you, so to speak. So bring yeah. you into my world, you know. Oh, you do that extremely, extremely well. Basically, for the benefit of the people that are listening to this, you've done two studio albums. Yeah. And the first one that I heard was Barefoot Folk. But yes. I believe that Windmills and Wishes before that. Yes, that's correct, yeah. yeah. Windmills and Wishes was my first studio album and it was the it was the outworking of all that angst and all the stories that I had to tell and all the experience I had to get out. So it's it's pretty much a life story. To be perfectly honest with you, this afternoon as part of my preparation, I I actually went back to Windmills and Wishes and listened to it again, having read the bio that you'd given me. Mm. It made so much more sense. Yeah. The first time I heard it, I thought, yeah, it's, it's a good album, but it didn't mean anything to me. It was just a collection of songs. Mm -hmm. Now I've read the biog and know a little bit more about you as a person. I can follow the Windmills and Wishes tracks and think, that's what she's talking about. Yes, and yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, and you, you actually say in one of them that you were a 14-year-old in a truck going to Ireland sort of thing. And, and yeah. It made, it made so much more sense. Yeah, there are lots of um, dots that get joined as I tell my story. And I make a point when I'm touring of telling the stories behind the songs. Because I think it's really important. And, and as a songwriter, that's what, what is at the root of your song, is the story. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Totally agree. Again, because I'm also a musician. And I don't know whether I told you that. And I'm a songwriter as well. And I pick on a theme. And that theme sets the whole scene for the album. Um, yes. Having got that theme, then I focus my writing to fit the theme that I've set. Yeah. So, you know, we, we all 
tell stories you, you're correct I think that's much more how barefoot folk happened you know once I'd worked through that life story I started writing other stories and and drawing from different experiences and drawing from different influences in doing that that the kind of the folk route really came through then and that was when I really stepped into folk music and kind of stripping everything back to being completely just me and my stories was what barefoot folk was all about and it works again for the for the benefit of the people that haven't heard it yet it's a lovely collection of folk songs and to take up what mike harding said and i'll, I'll come on to the mike harding thing later on but to take up on what he says that you listen to the tracks on that album and you you suddenly become aware that you've known these tracks for ages yeah, me too <laughs> which is absolutely great it means that it works and the weird thing is when i write them it's like I'm discovering them or rediscovering them even. I quite often get to the end of a song and, and it just feels like I've always known it mm -hmm. and it feels like it's always existed and I've just unearthed it. Yeah. And um, not so much with the first album, but definitely with Barefoot Folk, every single song as it became, it was, it was more a case of me discovering it than me creating it. So One of the things that I would like to just backtrack slightly is to Windmills and Wishes again. Mm -hmm. I listened to the, the track Windmill yeah. Now, I don't know whether I misinterpreted it or what, because they're subjective. Yeah. But I got the feeling, when I was listening to that track over and over again this afternoon, you as the person felt that you were sitting on the windmill and you were watching the world doing the rotation. Very much. <laughs> so I did get it right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you live on the streets, you um, time stops. It just stops existing. You don't do anything by time. You don't have to eat on time. You don't have to be anywhere on time. So time just ceases. And you watch the world go through its different stages of busyness. And you, you, you become a people watcher, a person watcher. And you notice things that you wouldn't normally notice, like the clouds changing and, you know, things like that. Uh, the, the song actually started or became you know, created as I was lying on my trampoline with my daughter looking up at the clouds, making shapes, you know, as you do, yeah. and choosing the shapes in the clouds. And that reminded me of sitting watching the clouds in Ireland. And that's kind of how that song came about. Which I thought, absolutely brilliant. But was I right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And on the cover, there's the picture of the world as a quite a small thing with the windmill being on the top of the world and me sitting on the windmill and yeah. and you can imagine the world turning you know underneath this windmill um and going through its seasons also i mean you go out on the road and you tour and all that sort of thing mm -hmm. and and you're quite self-contained aren't you when you go out with the, the sort of the instrumentation that you take out with you is 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 very much you on your own but surrounded by a lot of effects and that sort of thing yeah um well that this was the downfall of Windmills and Wishes. I am on my own, and therefore when I got on stage and these beautiful songs with with piano and double bass and uh, violin and drums and <laughs> all the other instrumentation, I'd get on stage and realise I just couldn't recreate it, which was gutting. Um, it was lovely to then sing the stripped-back acoustic versions, but it always felt a little bit thin to me because I knew what they had become in the album. So Barefoot Folk I recorded specifically to be able to to be able to sing on stage 
exactly as it is on the album. So yeah, what what I have on Barefoot Folk is my guitar and I have layers of vocal and I use a looping machine to layer those vocals live um, as you're listening. Um, so I sing one line, then I sing the harmony lines over the top of that yeah. and record as I go along. And you get the exact production that you do on the album when you see me live, which I'm really quite proud of because it means I can give you what it is that I heard in the first place. And there's a lot of artists that strive to do that. Again, sort of taking my own experience, studio albums for me are great. But again, I say the same thing as you. You cannot recreate them. No. And so I always make sure when, I, when I'm doing sort of a new track like that, does it work acoustically? Mm, no, absolutely. And I think that is something that I had learnt through doing the first album. And the first album was, uh, it was funded by a chap in America who I'm yet to meet. I, I will do one day. Um, but I'd met him on a recording forum and he had enough faith in me to fund this album. And at the time, obviously, it was my first studio album. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I got a little bit carried away, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> It had, it had all the instruments I heard. But this is the thing: a creative mind. It, 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 it's very rare for it to stop creating. So you can hear so much in one song. And when given the opportunity to bring all that to life, well, I grabbed it with both hands. And it's lovely that now I'm starting to be able to come back to Wimbles and Wishes, and hopefully in the future there will be a band, and we'll be able to, you know, re-bring to life some of those songs. Yeah. And of course, they do all work acoustically because they were all written acoustically. It's just for me, they all became a little thinner. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I, do, <laughs> I do get where you're coming from. Yeah, I understand that. Yes. Now, I believe that, again, from what I've read, you are planning to go back into the studio. I am indeed, yes. Later this year. Uh, yeah. With a, something called the Lament of the Black Sheep. <laughs> yes. That intrigues me, Ange. I must be honest. <laughs> Well, I did decide, I made a, I made a decision after Wimbles and Wishes to go into folk music because, like I say, at the root of every song of mine is a story. And folk has always been at the bottom of everything that I've been doing, you know. And I guess I've just embraced it wholeheartedly. <laughs> and I've started writing laments and drones and all sorts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the Lament of the Black Sheep um, was inspired by my son. And um, we were driving along in the car, and he, he did this for a long time before he could speak properly. He would sing Baba Black Sheep, um, and he'd sit in the back and just go, Baba Black Sheep, wool, no. <laughs> Which we found hilarious. Um, but, you know, after hearing it a few times, there was something, oh, something really intriguing about the kind of the sparseness of what he sang. And the simplicity of it. And I just started looking at that nursery rhyme from a different point of view. You know, how did the sheep feel? He's given away everything and he's cold and he's numb. And, and so I wrote this song um, called The Lament of the Black Sheep. And obviously the album came from there. <laughs> cool. Excellent. And you're married to Rob. I am. And, yes. And uh, have been for a few years now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, six, maybe. Something like that. <laughs> and I get the distinct impression that Rob is is extremely supportive of what you do. Yes, yeah. And I suppose in some terms, some people would actually say he might be your rock. Oh, very much. He's he's my driving force. I mean, he's my manager. Um, he oh, right. does. Yeah. 
he he does manage me. He um, is a web developer, so he's incredibly gifted at all the website stuff and all the promotions and all the graphic design. So all that stuff um, I give to my husband, you know, and he pretty much tells me what to do. He quite often, um, he'll quite often just say, sing, monkey, sing. (laughs) 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 So I do. (laughs) I do what I'm told. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Now then, I believe as well that you've got a little bit of uh, award history as well. Yeah, yeah. This was a complete, well, shock to me, really. I wasn't expecting it at all. But um, one day I was just, a few friends suddenly started tweeting and then a few fans got in touch and everyone was just saying, oh, my goodness, you've been nominated for an award. I don't think I have. And there it was. (laughs) Um, And it was... Fatia magazine, which is a folk magazine, um, female vocalist of the year, alongside Lucy Ward and Emily Barker. So I was shocked <laughs> and very, very happy. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. So you actually won the award, didn't you? I did. I fell right off my chair. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And very recently as well, there's another little bit of a claim to fame, isn't there? Oh, which one's this? <laughs> this was primetime radio. Yes, again, my Twitter feed just went crazy, um, kind of five, six o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I recently wrote, uh, or didn't write, write, but rewrote the tune to Cla- uh, Claudie Banks, which is a Cecil Sharp collected song um, for the BBC Two, because they are doing a project where they're trying to make their own collection of Cecil Sharp songs. They've chosen about six of them, um, and they're just asking general public to submit it. And they've said that they would put some of the best ones on their website. So I was very pleased when I went up on their website. And then um, a few days later, um, in this demo, I, I learned it in one night, recorded it in, recorded it in my kitchen um, in one evening. And it suddenly got airplay on lots of stations and downloaded and tweeted. And the next thing I know, um, I'm being told it's been played by Simon Mayo on Drive Time BBC Radio 2. So that's... <laughs> typical isn't it you spend months and thousands of pounds recording an album and he plays a demo you did in your kitchen <laughs> that's about right yeah but i hey, couldn't be happier he can play what he likes and four star review with rock and reel what was that about mm-hmm. obviously just one of the one of the reviews that came in i didn't actually find out about it until um the following month i didn't realize they'd reviewed it and i was at a gig and one of my fans or followers bought the magazine with him and just said look did you know you got four stars in rock and reel so yeah i was quite happy with that that's a nice a nice review (laughs) let's talk about mike harding (laughs) yes let's talk about him i like mike (laughs) yes um and if i may i'd like to sort of quote here what he said about barefoot folk because i think it's a fantastic quote he said barefoot folk is full of really interesting songs Ange Hardy takes folk tales and creates new folk songs that sound traditional around the story. This is one she's called Mother Willow Tree. It's beautiful. Fantastic guy. And he liked that song. Yes, yes. You know, what greater accolade can you get than a man that I played on stage with in Platfields in Manchester all those years ago, going on and saying something about one of your songs? You know, that's a brilliant accolade. Fantastic. 
He's been an amazing support. Um, it's, it's been incredible, really. At first, we, were, we really wanted him to notice me. I actually make sock monkeys, and I made him a sock monkey with little musical notes on it <laughs> um, and sent it to him holding my CD in a little box, and I, I punched air holes in it <laughs> for the monkey. <laughs> and I think it worked. Um, and He'd like he, that. He really would. Yes, and he, he's played four tracks in well since it was released which is in six months he's played four tracks which is unbelievable because percentage wise out of his show that's a lot of time he's given me and four beautiful quotes so yeah very happy just picking another one at random a chap called phil widows on folkcast said lush a lovely thoughtful album all about roots and about grounding again a tremendous accolade Yes, yeah. There's there's obviously something that people really do like about your sound, Ange. Yep, <laughs> and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I no, I've had some beautiful, beautiful comments. And people, I think the thing that really has grabbed me since I've done Barefoot Folk is that of the people that order my album, a massive percentage of people email me to say thank you and to let me know that they've enjoyed it they take their time mm -hmm. to feed back to me and I just find that so humbling and so overwhelming yeah it's, it's one thing buying a CD and enjoying it but the fact that they go out of their way to then let me know I mean, to those people if you're listening you're the people that keep me going absolutely because I'm a creative heart a creative soul I'm a yo-yo I go up and down one minute I'm taking over the world the next minute I'm giving up <laughs> you are the people that keep me going so thank you one other question that I really really want to know the answer to as you know I've played Mr. Man twice now on my shows yes I just absolutely think it is a brilliant brilliant track what's the story behind it Oh, gosh. Um, well, um, I guess it was just, I'm trying to think of the lyrics now. I'm trying to think of what made me write it. It was quite a long while ago now. I can't help you that much because I... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm just trying to think what it really inspired it. I just think that it was about feeling rushed all the time and feeling like life just goes too quickly. And... Um, Mr. Man obviously being the man upstairs and me just saying, sort it out, please, because I haven't got enough time and I'd like some more. <laughs> um, so yeah. I think that's what it was all about, really. It was, it was one of my slightly more shallow ones, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> um, a good fun song. And Emma Britton from BBC Somerset, that's her favourite. She loves really? that song, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it is. A, I mean, it's a great track. It, it, like you say, it's fairly light. Um, yeah. And it's it's very, very easy to listen to. One of my shows, I opened with it, and I thought, this is great. It's just a very happy song. Yeah. And, you know, it gets your foot tapping and all that sort of thing. So the, the, the bass line to that was created by the chap who invested in my um, album. Yeah. So we'd we'd kind of played around on the forum swapping files and he'd kind of put a bass line on it and I said, Oh, can I use that? That's brilliant, I love it, you know, really fruity bass line. Oh right. Um and so, you know, that 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 was where the inspiration for the bass line came from. But yeah. yeah, it's a good fun song. It's it's got a bit more of my um country roots in it really. I used to listen to a lot of country. I don't so much now, but I, I used to listen to a lot more country. And just picking up on this guy again that's, that's, that helped you fund the, the album. Mm -hmm. 
you said that was all done over over the internet. That all came about because of the internet. Yeah, well, I've known the guys on that forum for a long time now, probably eight years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were there from the start. My first ever recordings were on the N-Track um, record, home recording studio, you know, um, online software. And so I logged into the forum to ask questions about how to do things and met these this bunch of amazing people. Um, and... I, I suppose I've always thought you have to be a bit careful of forums, but I can tell you these people are just fantastic. And to this day, um, I'm in touch with a, a good handful of them who are just such beautiful people and such supports to me and um, genuine, really genuine people who just want to see you succeed. Yeah, it's been a real blessing, really. One thing that uh, I think we need to do for our listeners now is to... Tell them how, if they like what they hear, how they can get more of it. Um, how do they get in touch with you? What's your website? All that sort of stuff. So if you can go ahead and sort of deal that information out, that would be brilliant. Okay. Um, well, my website, my main website is um, angehardy.com. So that's A-N-G-E-H-A-R-D-Y.com. Uh, you can look up windmillsandwishes.co.uk or barefootfolk.co.uk to find out more about the um, individual albums. And I think at the end of this week, the lamentoftheblacksheep.co.uk will be up and we will be starting to fundraise for that. So we will be, it will be a completely crowded fu- um, album. Um, so we'll be taking pre-orders and offering lots of goodies and uh, whatever we need to do to make the album happen. We're in the studio in... Um, april so yeah angehardy.com is probably the best place to start brilliant so you're doing that through crowdfunding are you yeah we're going to crowdfund completely the album um so we are starting the funding like i say uh, hopefully next week and then we'll have a month to uh we're looking at about four thousand pounds i think so it's a lot of work to be done now <laughs> <laughs> to get the money together yeah. <laughs> but it's just a case of selling pre-orders the album won't be out until september mm-hmm. um but pre-order copies will go out in june okay. so <laughs> this crowdfunding idea it's it's something that um, i'm sort of very very new to i've i've heard of it yes obviously but not investigating it and i i, mm. I didn't know that you could sort of do albums and that sort of thing with it because it's it's set a few cogs turning for me i must be honest yeah, I mean, it's a brilliant approach. It Obviously, from my point of view, I'm a mum of two. I live in a house with my husband. I, I have a fairly normal life and um, I'm not rolling in it. So it's not easy for me to just hop into a studio. I don't own one. Um, so to crowdfund an album like that is a brilliant way of giving uh, a leap pad, also giving the fans something because they get the album early mm-hmm. um, and they get the option of having things like their names put in the um, inlay and all that kind of thing. So it's a nice way of connecting with the people that follow you as well. It gives you, I think if they watch your journey, um, it makes you relate to the album so much more. So people who follow me on Twitter will have found out the songs of the um, album as I've kind of come up with them or, you know, we've seen the growth of the album and crowdfunding is a great way of kind of setting that together. I'm going to have to investigate this a little bit further because I I think it's a very, very interesting concept. Mm. Um, And and thank you for sharing that with me. So 
Is there anything else that you would like to sort of put out here? Um, well, other than keep your eyes open, really, for uh, and your ears open for the Lament of the Black Sheep. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm so excited. I just can't wait to get in the studio. <laughs> I want to be there now. <laughs> I've, I'm halfway through recording the pre-studio recordings, and they're sounding amazing so they're exactly what i wanted them to be i've got a couple of guest uh musicians and vocalists coming in um two incredibly talented young chaps um but it's top secret at the moment um so i can't say who they are um but yeah it, it's gonna be a, a hopefully a really good album and very rootsy and very very folky as mike says <laughs> brilliant absolutely wonderful so i'm gonna put you on the spot now Ange. yeah and you haven't been prepared for this, so yeah. <laughs> shout at me if you want. But would you like to pick one of the tracks off either of your two albums for me to play next? Oh, okay. That's actually quite an easy one for me because um, there's one song that I just absolutely love because it was, it was one of them songs that I sat down to write. Um, when I looked up, I hadn't realised I'd been gone for an hour or so and i was practically shaking um and it's mother willow tree from barefoot folk okay well thank you ever so much Ange. Uh, it's been fantastic to talk to you and thank you we've covered a lot of ground i'd really appreciate your your honesty and your openness i hope that uh, when lament of the black sheep comes out that it is as successful a recording as the other two have been Thank you. Thank you so much for your time as well. That's brilliant. That's great. It's not a great interview. And I, I hope that we can do this again sometime after the Black Sheep one comes out, possibly. Definitely. definitely. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, Ange. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Why'd you try to take a gun to me, Mr. Hunter? Why'd you try to take a gun to me? Take the guns to tread the land For the battle of their ego's will But each will try to aim for the iron And a single shot will kill Hands in the tavern wave a soldier's by As the men stumble up into the hills The warmth in their chest from the whiskey At best of the woods they'll go to kill Tell me why, Mr. Hunter, why? Why'd you try to take a gun to me, Mr. Hunter? Why'd you try to take a gun to me? You will take a bow at mother's chest For her bosom is a willow tree She weeps in the wood for the hunter's good And waits for fools like thee Chase me, hunters, if your eagles will You'll run to take aim at me I'll run, I'll run, I'll run to my mother willow tree Tell me why, Mr. Hunter, why? Why'd you try to take a gun to me, Mr. Hunter? Why'd you try to take a gun to me? Two men settle down to take their aim at the bosom of the willow tree Sights to their eyes, those two will try to take a shot at me. There at a bosom where the hunters bow, my mother she will smile with glee. As the poisoned roots fill up their boots, a 
spell she'll cast on thee. Tell me why, Mr. Hunter, why? Why'd you try to take a gun to me, Mr. Hunter? Why'd you try to take a gun to me? Hunters, you must run like fools for the spell of the willow tree has turned your blood from the thickest mud to the blood of a hare like me. So run for the hunters, they will tread this land. The battle of the eagles will that each will try to aim for the iron in a single shot will kill. Tell me why, Mr. Hunter, why? Why'd you try to take a gun to me, Mr. Hunter? Why'd you try to take a gun to me? For you tried to take a gun to me, Mr. Hunter. Now ahead forever you shall be. Around the planet on the World Wide Web. And that was the sound of the fabulous Ange Hardy. And I'd like to thank Ange very, very, very much for taking time out of her busy schedule to actually uh, talk to us and our listeners. It was really, really appreciated. And anyway, what about the earthquake? Those of you that live in the North Devon and Somerset areas, on Thursday at about 20 past one in the afternoon, may have experienced the earth moving for you. It turned out that it was an earthquake somewhere out in the Bristol Channel, several kilometres deep and measuring 4.1 on the Richter scale, which is quite a thumpy earthquake <laughs> and not something that I particularly want to live through again, <laughs> to be honest. Where I was at that particular time was a metal building on top of a hill. It really did unnerve people in there. It shook the building, it rattled the light fittings, and it was it was not a very long time, but for the time that it was there, it was quite unnerving. Anyway, that's uh, prompted me to sort of ask you to give me some ideas of tracks that we could play to celebrate earthquakes. If you want to do that, you can email moonshadowmedia at mail.com. Address it to Merlin or to Dave, it doesn't matter. And the next show that we do, we'll put an earthquake song in. There's the challenge. The best one gets played in the next show. The best earthquake-related track to moonshadowmedia at mail.com. Now let's move on with the sound of legend and something called The Chase. Bringing you the best of the best, Dave Baxter.
you from the North Devon coast, this is Capstone Internet Radio, the sound of North Devon. Streaming 24-7. Colgan FM, the sound of magic. Now those of you that listen to my regular Capstone Rock shows will know that I do tend to put out some rather bizarre factoids during the broadcast. And so I thought I'd continue it with this show. And the first one is, a new survey by female has placed Jaguar drivers in pole position as the sexiest drivers. The study of over 2,300 females overwhelmingly placed Jaguar owners at the top of the podium. The top sexiest car manufacturers were Jaguar, Audi, Mercedes, Porsche and BMW. And the least sexy were rated as Nissan, Volvo, Renault, Toyota and Vauxhall. So I think I'm going to change my car. And the second one is that a 92-year-old was stopped from buying alcohol because he didn't have any ID. The great-grandfather tried to pay for two bottles of vodka, but was stunned when a checkout girl asked him to prove he was over 18. Tony Ball initially laughed, but was told that he couldn't be served if he was under 18. A manager at Tesco in West London has apologised to Ball, saying that they have two free bottles waiting for him if he chooses to come back. And finally, Laszlo Androscheck, his tale is the stuff of fantasy. En route to a programme for recovering alcoholics, the unemployed, indebted Hungarian man was down to his last few coins when he decided to buy a lottery ticket. I had only picked six numbers, and the female shop assistant reminded me that I needed to pick a seventh, he said. I told her to make it 24. It doesn't matter anyway. In fact, it did, as Anders Czech won some $2.8 million. His good fortune was kept quiet until he recently made a hefty donation to a homeless shelter. And good on him. You never, ever know. Right, let's move on again. I think this might be possibly the last little music section and then we'll do the close down. So I'll speak to you very, very shortly. Colton FM. Online. The sound of magic. Found I 
and that was Needs and Prince and it's a track called I Won't Let My Shadow Block Out the Sun and Andy and Anthea Needs and Prince played Glastonbury last year and they're waiting to hear now whether they've been accepted to play again this year so I hope, fingers crossed, that they do because I do like their sound, it's fantastic Now, a show about Ange Hardy would not be complete, in my opinion unless I played, perhaps, a little bit of self-indulgence here but my favourite track of hers until I hear the new album, of course (laughs) So, I'm going to play out now with a track by Ange called... Mr. Man, you've guessed it. I'd like to thank you very, very much for listening. I'm Dave Baxter. This has been a joint broadcast for Capstone Radio and Cauldron FM. And I'll speak to you again very, very soon. Bye-bye now. on the World Wide Web. 
the ultimate in entertainment, Dave Baxter. show draws to a close i'd like to say thank you very very much to my guest Ange hardy what a fantastic interview i hope you'll tune in again soon if you want to get in touch please email us at moonshadowmedia at mail.com and don't forget the competition and i'll speak to you again very very soon until then don't predict the future create it and i wish you the best things that life can give bye bye now cauldron fm is a moonshadow media production